All right, good morning. Let's go ahead and find Genesis chapter number 16, please. Genesis chapter number 16. I'll let the thought explain itself rather than give too much introduction. It was uh, tremendous to hear that message by Dr. Williams. Uh, what you heard, I'm not sure if you're aware of it, uh, what you just encountered was a historical moment. Preachers uh, sometimes, as people reflect back on their lives, particularly after their departure to heaven, tend to identify particular messages that God seemed to give them in a unique way. Uh, some of you would have heard Dr. Hiles preach fresh oil. John R. Rice preached on prayer. I haven't heard anybody preach on prayer like Dr. Rice preached on prayer. Dr. Williams preaches that message. You've got to give God some place to put the blessing. I, I don't have the time to tell you what has occurred in our church because of that message. Uh, there's some stories I'd like to tell you. Uh, just of what happened with that message. Uh, what God did. It, it was, uh, we had a lot of good things happen because of that. God just, Touched some people. One of our men, I'll tell you one, one of our men was, uh, did not get to hear it preached and he was, uh, driving his car home and I was listening to that and I gave him that message. He told me, called me from his car, he was weeping. He said, I had to stop the car. And, uh, he said, God just so spoke to me. You've got to give God some place to put the blessing. He said, uh, Pastor, uh, I can't escape it. Uh, God wants me to give $100,000 to the church. And he did. Just just many, that's one. By the way, he's, he was enlarged substantially after that. But uh, God, God you, you heard something historical. You know, I talked yesterday about understanding the moment, being able to realize what just took place. You had something take place a few minutes ago. I said, I said to young Caleb, I said, you will reflect as you get older that you were there and you heard that. Genesis chapter 16, let's look at verse number 6. But Abram said unto Sarai, behold thy maid, you know that the maid was a Hagar, behold thy maid is in thy hand to do uh, do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarai dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, whence comest thou, and whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress, Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress and submit thyself under her hands. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child and shalt bear a son and shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. 
Hagar was being dealt with harshly. It did not start out that she was dealt with harshly, but her circumstances changed. Everything was okay before. And then, you know, Abraham and Sarah had that plan of how they were going to fulfill what God said. And they, they had a, they had a flesh idea. And, uh, and so, uh, he, he went unto the maid, uh, Hagar, and, and now, uh, cause Sarai is not, you know, she, she can't look at her the same way. Everything was okay before, but now every time she looks at her, she sees the one who is with her husband and, and she changes the way she starts treating her. And really, of, of no doing of Hagar's, her circumstances alter. And she's being treated harshly and, and unkindly. It wasn't like that before. And so Hagar decides, you know, I, I can't stand this anymore. I, I can't cope with this anymore. And she runs away. And I personally think it probably was the intent of Sarai that she would run away. That, that her treatment would just drive her away. That if she treated her harsh enough and hard enough, she would go and, and she'd let her go. And so Hagar runs away. And you know, Hagar isn't an anybody. She's nothing. She's nobody. It's very interesting, the people that matter to God. But she didn't matter to anybody. And she runs away, and verse 11, God finds her. And because she's run away, she's in the wilderness. And when you run away, you end up in a wilderness. And he finds her in the wilderness, and God said, uh, I know about your affliction. I know what's been happening to you. And this is what he says. He says, what you have to do, you have to go back. And you have to go back and you have to, in verse 9, return, you go back. And you have to submit yourself back under that affliction. Why? Well, because Hagar, something has begun in you that I am going to bring to completion. And what has started in you that was not of your doing is going to result in a tremendous multiplication and exceeding abundance. But you have to go back to the place of your affliction. You can't run away from it. And basically what God is telling her is that she has to go back and simply grow through the time of her affliction. Now, at a later point, he released her. She did go, and it was different then. But now, he says, you cannot leave the place of your affliction. I see it. I understand it. It's very real. I see what's going on, but you've got to understand, something has started in you. 
And that thing in you is going to birth itself. And we're talking about the child, but you see what it's pointing to. Something has started in you. And that thing that's, that started in you is going to result in a huge increase. But you have to go back and submit yourself to that place of affliction. Now I want you to look in Exodus chapter 5. I only have three scriptures this morning. Exodus chapter 5. So to Hagar, he says, uh, uh, grow through it. Return, grow through it. In Exodus chapter 5, if you look please there in verse number 6 and 7, firstly, Exodus 5, verse 6 and 7. And Pharaoh said, behold, the people of the land now are many, and you make them rest, uh, 5, I mean, you make them rest from their burdens. And Pharaoh commanded the same day the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, you shall no more give the people straw to make brick as heretofore. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And then if you go across to verses 15 of the same chapter, then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried unto Pharaoh, the representatives, wherefore dealest thou thus with thy servants? Why do this to us? There is no straw given unto thy servants. And they say to us, make brick and behold, thy servants are beaten, but the fault is in thine own people. But he said, ye are idle, ye are idle. Therefore you say, let us go and do sacrifice to the Lord. Now, you understand that, that God wanted the children of Israel out of Egypt. The plan was already in place. Uh, he wanted them out because he had something bigger and something better to give them. Pharaoh was not the problem. Pharaoh is not the obstacle in their coming out. God never has problems with Pharaohs. The the problem is not the world. What has to change is not Pharaoh. Pharaoh is not going to change. God already knows that. Pharaoh's heart is set. It's hardened against God. That's, That's not an obstacle. There's no problem. God can deal with that. That's easy. What has to happen, Bart, is that something has to happen in the people of God. Because the the problem with the people of God in this situation is they have become, unfortunately, quite comfortable in their bondage. In fact, they found a way to make bondage and captivity tolerable. It's working for them. Okay, it's not great, but, you know, hey, everybody has a little problem in life. you just got to kind of get by. But God doesn't want them to have that attitude. He, do, you, you, you see, he realizes that you're not going to want to leave here unless it gets a whole lot worse. I'm going to have to make it worse so you want to go. And so, so, so God uses Pharaoh and starts making their conditions harder because God is trying to prepare them to want to go. Pharaoh's not the problem. They're the problem. God's going to use what's going on to get their heart in a place where they're they're ready to go. So he allows their afflictions to get worse, which is really unto the end of getting them ready for something very good. 
And may I say, your enemies are really your friends when they provoke you to godliness. If the end result of you having an enemy is a provocation to godliness, it's a good end. There are a whole lot of people who've never quite prayed with the fervency they prayed with when they had an enemy. It brought them to a new level of prayer. It had to bring some people to a new level of trust. It had to bring some people to a new level of humbling that they had not had before. Enemies are not bad things if their provocation results in godliness and the furtherance of God's will. And so he allows their afflictions to get worse. Now, the difference here is with Hagar, he says, you have to, you have to grow through your affliction. Your increase, your multiplying is going to come by you submitting yourself to this affliction. But with the children of Israel, he doesn't want that. He doesn't want them to just be contented and submissive to their affliction. He wants them to get to the place where they say, I'm not sure if you say, we've had a gutful and we want out. This is no longer bearable. This is no longer tolerable. And that often has to happen with people. People will be in debt. And debt, mark it down, debt is never good. When you're in debt, you're the tail, not the head. Debt takes away your choices. But people will learn to be comfortable in debt until they get completely pushed over the edge and they come to the point where they say, we can't live like this anymore. We have to change. And it's amazing what you will become comfortable in that God doesn't want you to stay in. It's amazing what you'll learn to do to get by and think, oh, well, it's okay. But it's not where God wants you to be. He doesn't want you growing through that. He wants you to go from it. He doesn't want you to stay there. He wants you to not like it so much you want to go to something better. And so so, so for them, he wants them not to grow, but to go. And, and for them, you see, with her... When she fled, she wasn't meant to, she ends up in the wilderness. But when he asks them, when he, when he's preparing them to go, their, 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 uh, journey is not to end in the wilderness, their journey is to get to Canaan. There's a, when, when, when he says to them to go, there's a definite place they're supposed to go to. She flees to the wilderness like, Hagar, where are you going? I don't know. Anywhere but there is where I'm going. And God says, no, you, you have to go back. Something has started in you, and if you go now, you're going to miss it. You, you, you need your, your affliction. You need to stay there. I know it's hard. Grow through it. Submit yourself. I know this is difficult. It's changed. It wasn't like it was before. It's not your fault. You didn't do it. You are being treated harshly, but stay. Grow through it. Because you have an exceeding abundance of multiplying coming that, that you, you just can't comprehend. Go back. But for them, no, don't stay. They thought it was bad and it just got worse. Because he's preparing them. He's readying them for departure. 
He has to do this in them because they won't want to go otherwise. They've They've etched out a life there. They did this when they got in captivity in Babylon. Most of them didn't want to go back. They found a way to make captivity workable. A lot of people do that. But it's not where you're supposed to be. He doesn't want you to stay there. He might have to make it worse so you won't want to stay there. So for Hagar, it's grow. But for them, it's go. Look at 1 Kings chapter 17, our last scripture. 1 Kings chapter 17. Brother Williams uh, moved around this text a little bit, I heard, this morning. Verse number two. You understand, I'm, I'm trusting that you have great familiarity with the surrounding verses already. You understand the land is in drought. And Verse two, and the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Elijah, get thee hence and turn thee eastward. And hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook. And this, this, brethren, is the word of God. As in, this is God's word to that man. If God is telling you, if you were, if you were Elijah and God is telling you these things, you're going to remember the instructions. This is somewhat life and death. So you got it, okay? You're not confused. I got it. I'm going to go to the brook Cherith, the one uh, before Jordan. Mm-hmm. Got it. And then God says, uh, uh, you're going to drink of the brook there. That will be your water. Okay. And then he says, and I've commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Okay. I'm going to stay at the uh, brook Cherith near Jordan. I'm going to drink of the brook. The ravens will feed me. Verse 5, he's got it. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And sure enough, as God said in verse 6, And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. Okay. That's what God said. Now, notice. Verse 7. And it came to pass, after a while, how long's a while? A while. That the brook dried up. Hmm. Because there'd been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, etc., etc. And you know the rest. Now, Elijah is obeying the command of God in being where he's supposed to be. None of us need question, was he in the right place? Of course he was in the right place. It's implicitly clear, he was told where to go, he went there. And he's living in a very difficult day. He's he's not living in a revival day. He's living in an apostasy day. And not only is he living in a difficult day, he's living in a difficult hour of a difficult day because he's in a drought that God is cursing the land with. You'll notice, and this is a side thought, he is not being taken care of by any of those other 7,000 that had not bowed their knee. The brethren are not looking after him. He's being sustained by ravens, the unclean. And sometimes 
the man of God will be sustained by the unclean versus those who should be doing it. Sometimes it is the children of the world who will be a blessing to the man of God. Strange, isn't it, that you would use the the unclean? Didn't send the food down in doves. Interesting, God's choice. And so he's being sustained, and here's what he's doing. He's drinking of the brook, the, the food is coming, and he's watching daily, his water supply is decreasing. This is visible, he can see it. He goes every day to drink, and it's going down, down, down. Now, initially, he's probably not, you know, God can make it go up, 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 down, down, down. It's up to God. He knows what God can do. But it is going down, down, down. It's decreasing, decreasing, decreasing. But it's no problem because it is sustaining him. Even though there's less there to see, he's getting by. It's giving him everything he needs. All he needs to drink is there. There's no problem. The supply seems to be visibly diminishing, but what he needs individually is still coming. Until he gets to the place where the first thing that is said in verse 7 is that the brook dries up. Now, why does the brook dry up? Because he's to go somewhere else. He, he's not to go somewhere else just because the brook dried up. The brook dried up because he had to go somewhere else. Do you understand the importance of that? God dried up the brook because he needed to be somewhere else. But what I like is he does not act presumptuously. The brook dries up first and then in the next verse the word of the Lord comes to him. And when the brook dries up, then after that God's word comes and again, would you notice that God says it's a go to somewhere. It's not stay here you know, drink mud, grow through it, brother. You know, you can do it. Just squish mud, there's probably a little bit of moisture there somewhere. Come on, brother, just grow through it. No, it's not that. Listen to me, the divine resource has ended. It is not being given in this place Anymore, And now the reason is God is saying you have to go somewhere else. He's not looking to go. He's not Hagar. He's not running away from affliction. He's not seeking to escape. He's being positioned to deliberately have to go. He's being made to go. He's not to grow through it. He's to go from it. And his go is go from here to there. May I say a go without a come is a quit. But it's go from here and come to there. And when a go has a come, it's not a quit. 
Now, I, I want to put this in balance. I wanted to preach this message tonight. I, I really did. I, 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 I said, God, I want to, this will be good. I want to give this to the people tonight. And I just felt God say, you do not do that. You, you give it this morning. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing tonight, but whatever it is, it'll come. You just give it this morning. Maybe one of the reasons I was not meant to do that with everybody is because some people can maybe take this and make a bad decision. Do you know what I'm saying? But I, I want to say this. I want to say that we're supposed to be a little bit more mature here this morning. Let's understand something. We hear a lot of messages on, you know, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. And I'm, I'm all for that. But if you look at the lives of the people who tell you not to quit, at some point in their ministry life, they did move on from one thing to another. It's okay to say that. You don't have to be insecure that, that, that you, you, you might be, you might meant to, listen, if God keeps water in the brook, then die in the cave. Stay there. But if he deliberately is not sending the divine resources on purpose, if he's stopping it, then be ready to hear, go to there. He stopped it so that you will go to somewhere else. Why? Because there is a widow there who needs you. Because, because as my servant, it's not up to you. You do what I tell you. You don't, you don't choose your geography. If I say stay, you stay. If I say, oh, you, 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 you're afflicted, grow through it. You grow through it. But if I say you are done here and the call is here, then you go. I was amazed reading the biographies of some of the preachers who have uh, changed my life. The, the fellows who, who, who were the don't quit and, 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 and were great at it, at motivating us to hang on. But when you look at the, when you read the details, you realize they did move on from some things. They went from this to this to this. Because often in the will of God, it happens that way. Somebody else was needing Elijah to come. And by the way, they didn't invite him to come. Somebody somebody may need you, but they may not be the one to invite you. It doesn't matter. God, 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 God sent him. He's to do what God wants him to do. He was obedient in his going as Hagar was in her growing. It would have been wrong for her to go when she was supposed to grow. And it would have been wrong for him to not go when he was supposed to go. So the question is, what do you do? I'm going to say carefully, notice that the divine resource, the water, it stopped. It wasn't there. We're not talking about, oh, he just went through a bit of a hard time. No, no, he already went, he passed the hard time stage. That was as it was going down, 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 down. That was as he was scooping the last little bit out. This, he was not living in doubt. He was staying. He was not looking around for other caves to go to that were more comfortable. He was not trying to climb the ministerial ladder. He's quite happy to just spend his time exactly what God said. But God dried it up because he had to go to another place. And all I'm saying, and you just bank it away, you file it, that when that kind of affliction visits and stuff happens, 
you have to discern, is this a grow? Because often it is a grow, and if you don't grow through it, you will miss the multiplication that is coming. If you don't grow, you see, he's already started something in you, and it's not for you to leave at this point. Because if you leave, you're not going anywhere but the wilderness. And you'll default on everything he started in you. Don't do it. Grow through it. But it might also be for some that the voice of God is saying, go from here, but come to here. And brethren, this, this is God's business where he puts everybody. It is not up for us to question the dictates of the master where he puts his servants. It's God's affair. And we do well to just submit to the leading of God, whatever that is. God, what do you have me to do? Grow through it. Okay. Then I know you'll give me grace sufficient for that. Lord, what do you want me to do? Go from here but to here. Okay, I'll do that too. Grow or go. You file it away thereafter.